Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. So last week, we looked at Exodus chapter 19, and Exodus 19 was the beginning of God giving the law to his people. And we discussed the role of the law, especially on Sunday night, and we talked about the difference between God's law and God's grace, and and we talked about how the law showed us two major things. One, it showed us how holy our God really is. And then in doing that, it showed us how sinful we really are. And when you do that, the law points us, it fulfills its purpose by pointing us to our need for Jesus Christ. And this morning, I'll be honest with you, this is not the most encouraging message. I was talking to uh, Brother Dan this morning. He's preaching down at Confluence this morning, so pray for Dan. And he's talking about this encouraging message that he's going to preach. And I said, man, I'm not doing that this week. Our sermon today is called The Idol of Self. It's going to hurt a little bit. But over the next several chapters, as we go through the Bible this year, and you're reading through with your reading plan, from Exodus 19, over the next several chapters, you'll read about all these different rules, uh, command after command, you, you need to live this way, you need to do this, don't do this, here's how to build the tabernacle, and when this situation comes up, here's what you're supposed to do in order to remain holy and ceremonially pure and all this. And then Moses goes up on the mountain, the mountain of God there, Mount Sinai. And he's getting the Ten Commandments. He's being instructed in the law by God. You talk about a, uh, getting a class from the Lord. And he was being instructed by God on every, all these different rules. And then just like today, when Dad's away, the kids will play. Right? <laughs> Nothing new under the sun. And so I want to look at Exodus chapter 32 this morning. Exodus 32 says this, beginning in verse 1. It says, When the people saw that Moses was delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come and make gods for us who will go before us, because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Now these people have seen the hand of God more than probably anybody else in history, even at this early stage of their existence as a nation. They have seen God enact the ten plagues on Egypt. They have seen God spare them through the Passover and the blood of the Lamb. They have seen God part the Red Sea and allow them to walk across on dry ground. They've seen God in the pillars of cloud and the pillars of fire. They have been fed by God, watered by God, uh, God fought for them against the Amalekites, and then, but now they, they, they're, they're standing here before Aaron, and they're ready to trade that God in and his man Moses for something else and somebody else. In verse 2, Aaron replied to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. Now, some scholars give Aaron some credit here. They think that Aaron's trying his best to stall these people 
And you think about all this stuff that they've got. He's, Aaron, in his mind, maybe thinks they're not willing to give up their valuables for some pretend God. And all this stuff they've got, this gold and jewelry and all these valuables, they were slaves, remember? They had plundered this from the Egyptians. But here's the thing. I don't think Aaron realized this, but it's a truth that has lasted throughout history, is that people are willing to go to extreme measures to turn their back on God. No amens from that? Huh. We've done it, haven't we? Adam hid from God in the garden. Jonah ran as far and fast from God as he could. People will do some very extreme things to get away from the Lord. Jesus confronted a rich young man in the New Testament. And he told him if he really wanted to do the right thing, he'd sell all his possessions, give the proceeds to the poor, to the people that need it, and then he should come and follow him. And the Bible says that the rich young man turned and walked away sad because... He was very rich. He didn't want to part with his stuff. Notice what the people do here in verse 3. Basically the complete opposite. So all the people took off the gold rings that were on their ears and brought them to Aaron. They were eager to trade their wealth for some false god, for an idol. Verse 4. He took the gold from them, fashioned it with an engraving tool, and he made it into a calf. That's funny because later he says it just kind of popped out of the fire. You'll read that. But then they said, get this, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now I read this, and the first thing that pops into my mind is, why in the world did he make a calf? There's a lot of thoughts behind that. There's a pretty popular god in ancient Egypt to worship this calf. It could be that they were trying to replicate what they'd known over the past 400 years and seen in Egypt. could be that in the ancient Near East, deities were often portrayed riding or sitting or even standing on the backs of livestock or other wild animals. And so some people think, well, maybe Aaron was making somewhat of a, a throne for God to sit on, the real God, to come and sit on. But regardless of why he made this into a calf, the problem is the people made it into a god. And think about how insane this is. Look what they say. I mean, these people have lost their mind. How could they think this was a God that brought them out of Egypt? A few minutes ago, they acknowledged Moses was the man that brought them out of Egypt under God's leadership. This thing didn't even exist a few minutes ago. And now they're saying this thing that was just a minute ago in our ears and on our hands, it, it, it brought us out of Egypt. It's a living, breathing God. We read the story, and I don't know about you, but I can't help but think of just how ridiculous this sounds. And the ancient Jewish rabbis over the years, they didn't like this story. They thought the Israelites were under the influence of some other people. They tried every way in the world to make an excuse for God's people. God's people wouldn't do this. The problem is, that's people. That's humans. And the hard truth is that humans trend toward idolatry naturally. They did it back then and we do it today. We'll talk about that. Verse 5 says, When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of it 
And he made an announcement. There will be a festival to the Lord tomorrow. Now in his defense, it seems that Aaron's trying his best to steer the people away from all-out idol worship. He builds this altar in front of this thing. And then he says, we're going to have a festival to the Lord. He uses the proper name of God there in the Hebrew. And so it seems like he's really trying to get the people to remember that there's only one real God here. But then verse 6 comes and it says, Early the next morning they arose, offered burnt offerings, presented fellowship offerings. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. And that list, eat, drink, and party basically means these people decided they was going to do whatever it is they wanted to do. The phrase party, some translations say dance. It's an old Hebrew euphemism for sexual immorality. We'll just call it what it is. They were doing all the things that they shouldn't be doing. And they were doing it in, a, in, a, in worship to a false god the way that they wanted to worship. It seems that in my opinion, they didn't just want a, an idol, though. I think they wanted a little bit of both. I think they wanted a God they could touch, and they could see, and they could feel, and they could do whatever they wanted to do. But I think they also wanted the God that literally brought them out of Egypt, the real God. But you think about that, and it seems crazy, especially with everything they've seen and experienced that God has done for them. And, and we, we, we look at their situation, and we can blame the Egyptians and all their different gods, and we can try and blame uh, everything they've been through, and, and Moses is gone. But at the end of the day, the only person that's responsible for you is who? You. We do the same. We try to blame <laughs> mom and dad. We try to blame where we was raised and how we was raised. We try to blame the Republicans or the Democrats. We try to blame the devil. But at the end of the day, the person that's going to stand before God and judge it on my behalf is, guess who? Me. I don't think we have to make excuses for these people. Because that's how people really are. And that is a hard truth that you're not going to hear in a lot of churches today. Just like the Israelites, people today, we want God, but we want something plus God. And I'll give you a few examples. Think about it. Maybe you've heard people talk like this. I want Jesus plus all this other stuff. Fill in the blank. I want Jesus, preacher, but now I ain't never going to quit smoking dope. I want Jesus, but... I ain't never going to quit drinking. I want Jesus, but we ain't getting married. We're going to shack up. People say they want to go to heaven. They want Jesus, love Jesus. But how many people in our culture hoard up all these material possessions and have all this stuff? And, and hear me closely. I ain't saying you can't have stuff and you can't have nice things. The problem is, is when your need for your stuff outgrows your willingness to give it away. Jesus dealt with this quite a bit. You can be, you can enjoy the fruits of your labors. But if you're not at least willing to part with it, why? Because you don't get to take it with you. Then we got a problem. 
A lot of people today, especially in our part of the world, say, I like Jesus, I love Jesus, love everything he taught, but now I'm still going to believe whatever I want to believe regardless of what the Bible has to say about it. I don't believe God would punish somebody and send somebody to hell for something like that. Matter of fact, I like Jesus, but I don't believe all that hell stuff. How can I say this lightly? My God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. His word is true. It never changes. If it was true then, it's true now. And it's going to be true until the end of time. So to bring all this together, when you read through Exodus 32 and you read about this crazy story with the golden calf, I want you to realize this ain't just a story about a golden calf. It's a story about the power of self. The power of I, the power of me. The lust for self. Instead of building golden calves, we look in the mirror and we take selfies and put them all over Instagram and Facebook and everything. We live for me. How many locks can I get this week? Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about, and that's okay. But it's true. Instead of building golden calves like they did so many thousands of years ago, we bow down to the, to the altar of self, and we worship us. And the problem with that is that we have created a, a world, a, total, a whole society that is self-driven. It's all about me. It's all about mine. It's all about what I can get, what I can do, what I can become. And the problem with this ideology, when you read through God's Word, is you realize, apart from God, there's nothing good about me. Yourself. You want to know where all your problems come from in life? Pull out a mirror and take a good, long, hard look. And that's the root of 99% of your issues is the guy and the gal in the mirror. The Bible says Moses came down from the mountain. And here's why this matters. Until you get rid of so much self in your life, there's going to be a lot less room for God. And so you may have to sacrifice a little bit of you to make room for the Lord. And so Moses comes down the mountain. God basically tells him, says, hey man, these people went nuts. I want to get rid of them. Moses pleads on behalf of the people. And God says, well, at least go down the mountain, fix some things. Moses goes down. He, him and Joshua realize what's going on. And guess what Moses does? This is awesome. He took that idol, and he threw it in the fire, and he burned it. And he pulled it back out, and he ground it up into dust. And he took the dust, and he, he threw it in the water. And he made the people drink the water full of the dust. It's like he's rubbing their nose right in their sin. Isn't that awesome? But if that's not enough... He stands before the whole nation. He says, all right, anybody that's willing to worship the living God, come forward. And out of all of those people, only one full tribe came forward. It was the tribe of the Levites. And Moses charges them with going throughout the entire camp and slaughtering all the people that worshipped the golden calf. 
The Bible says 3,000 people were killed because of their idol worship that day. That's pretty harsh. We think, why, why, why would God do this? Why would He command such a thing? It's because sin is that serious when it's left unchecked. The Levites would become the priests for the nation of Israel. They'd be the ones that would mediate between God and the people. And it's just a reminder to us how serious God takes the issue of sin. How serious He takes the issue of idolatry. He hates sin so much that He sent His Son, His only Son that He ever had, His only begotten Son, wrap your mind around that, to die and atone for your sin. That's how bad God hates sin. So I'm not going to make you drink any golden Kool-Aid water this morning. But you may need to let some idols go. You may need to let some self go this morning. Years and years later, Jesus would stand before his followers. and It's almost like Jesus had read a story like this. And he would stand before his followers in Matthew chapter 16. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself or herself. But that's not all, is it? And take up his cross and follow me. Get this. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The most valuable thing that you have in your possession is your soul. Your soul is priceless. Jesus went to the cross for your soul so that your soul could be redeemed. And he paid a price, church, that you can't even imagine what he paid. But we sell our souls every day. <laughs> Think about what the golden calves are in our lives. Think about the idols that we give our hearts to, the things or the people or the relationships or the false gods that stand between us and a better relationship with God. So in conclusion, I think you may need to sacrifice some of yourself this morning. We've got an altar, just like not like the Old Testament, but we've got an altar that you can let yourself go. And you began to let these idols go. And you think about your life, man, maybe all you've ever done in your life is live for you. Your life has been one selfish saga. Story about me. The Bible tells me that today you can start living for Jesus. And if you deny yourself, <laughs> He'll forgive you He'll accept you, let you follow Him, and one day, one day let you follow Him right into heaven. Isn't that awesome? Stand together this morning. I want to pray for you as we close. Father, there's parts of Your Word that are they're hard for us. They're hard to read. They're hard to understand. They're hard to digest. Because it hurts. 
God, this passage in Exodus is such a reminder that we have so many false gods in our lives. And like some of these people years and years ago, we try to, we act like we've let them go, but we throw them in our bag and we pack them around with us. We hide them in our tents. And God, today there's some things that folks need to let go. The biggest idol in our lives, God, is ourselves. And God, I'm praying for me personally that you'd empty me of me. That I would decrease in my life so that you could increase. And God, maybe there's people here this morning, they've lived their entire life for, for them. For what I can get out of this life. And God, there's people here that need a relationship with Jesus. So Lord, I pray that in this moment you draw them to you. God, I pray this morning somebody would find peace. Somebody would find forgiveness. Somebody would find release. Somebody would, would find whatever it is from you, God, that they need in their life. I love you, Lord, and thank you for sending Jesus for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.